Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast. We're back for week 14 of the NBA season, the 2023-2024 NBA season. I'm your host, Carson. Welcome back to the show, or welcome to the show. Um, Both previous listeners and brand new listeners alike, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, Joining me, uh, as usual, on our Monday show is my co-host and good friend, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? I'm doing good, Karsten. Life is treating me well. It's a little bit warmer the last uh, week or so, which has been a pleasant uh, relief from the cold. It has been. Yeah, I've been happy with that. Um, Definitely a a nice, I mean, I'd rather have 40s and still some snow on the ground versus um, like 14. I got in my car one morning, it was 14 and I was pretty sad with that but uh you know I, I love the snow so I like to see that still hanging around but uh no yeah I'm doing well also I'm a little bit um sad today in the aftermath of the bills um devastating <laughs> yeah. loss I mean and I don't want to add into I mean I don't know of course the bills fans have the legacy of wide right their first super bowl in 90 or 91 um they lost to the Giants after Scott Norwood missed a field goal wide right that would have either tied it or given them the lead. Um, and it got down to the final seconds, and Tyler Bass has an opportunity to tie the game and force overtime. And when that situation came up, I have to be honest with you, the first thing I thought was, don't let this be wide right. Don't let this be wide right. And that's what it was. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, we're doing great. Uh, love the Chiefs. Um, but that being said, <laughs> l- let's get into the correct sport this time. Let's get into basketball, starting with our uh, game summaries from the last weekend. Um, it's actually given me seven games, so we're just calling it game summaries, um, as well as our um, other notes from other games and our key news. So let's get into that right now. All right, we're going to go ahead and start with Wyatt, actually. He's going to take things away uh, starting on Friday. We have four games from Friday, three games from Saturday to focus on. Wyatt, where are we starting on? Uh, starting out at on Friday? We're starting with the Nuggets-Celtics game on Friday. They played in Boston, and it was a, it was a close game, but the Nuggets ended up with the victory winning uh 102 to 100 so very close game they were led by Jamal Murray who had 35 points and Boston was led by Derek White with 24 points so uh kind of fun to see Derek White leading the Celtics a great team you know uh arguably the best team in the league right now and Derek White's kind of got a a little bit of an underdog uh backstory right and he's mm-hmm. out here leading this team uh in points so Kind of fun to see. Uh, if we if we uh, look down at the some of the game details, that was pretty even in a lot of um, aspects. But the Nuggets uh, out rebounded the Celtics pretty dominantly. Well, nine rebounds, forty seven to thirty eight, and then, but they also had way more turnovers. The Celtics did a great job taking care of the ball. Only two turnovers compared to Nuggets with nine. The Celtics also shot better from the three-point line, 32% compared to uh, 
Denver's 26. Ugh. The yeah, I know. <laughs> <Awful>. Terrible. <laughs> uh and then free throw percentage 77 for the Nuggets versus the 71 for the Celtics. And then the Nuggets shot a little bit better from the field also, 52 compared to Boston's 43. So you know, some key factors or key statistics anyway were on Boston's side that game. The the turnovers, you know, assists slightly. They got more steals, five compared to Denver's zero. But and their three point as well. But the field goal, free throw, um, and rebounding uh numbers were in Denver's favor, and that ended up uh ultimately, I guess, sealing the deal. But if we if we jump into the story of this game a little bit. Uh, it, you'll see that it was pretty back and forth. The lead changed 13 times, uh, jumping back and forth a lot in the first and last quarter with the middle two quarters being largely uh, led by the Celtics. The ending of the game was uh, a pretty exciting one. There was a little bit of controversy uh, with uh, free throws that were taken with less than a minute in the game. Uh, let me double check the time here. But ultimately, the Nuggets were shooting free throws, Aaron Gordon. And uh, Nikola Jokic does like a, a a fake, almost like a pump fake in, uh, <laughs> or, except <laughs> for uh, free throws instead of, like he was going to, he pump faked the rebound instead of, um, you know, the shot where he, kind of leaned in like he was going to jump in for the rebound um, on Aaron Gordon's second free throw. And then the Celtics players kind of jumped at that. Uh, and essentially they jumped into the lane and, or at least stepped into the lane and got a lane violation, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, allowed the Nuggets to shoot again and get that sec or to, yeah, to get that second point, right? Yeah, because he had missed that free throw. So he shot and, again. Yeah, we were kind of, you know, questioning. Oh, it's interesting. It's one thing if, um, you know, it's a Celtics player shooting and he makes that move intentionally to try and take away a free throw. We thought it was interesting that he did it on his own teammate's free throw. But then at the same time, it's like, well, Aaron Gordon was absolutely frigid in the game, missing all of his field goal attempts. And so maybe he's like, I just want to do this just to be safe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, but it is interesting. We've seen pump fake uh, free throw uh, shots from like, I, I remember Tony Parker did it and like Carmelo Anthony, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a pump fake, you know, going for the rebound. So it was definitely interesting. Right. And, and the game was tied at this point, 17 seconds left, 100 mm. to 100. And, you know, Aaron Gordon ends up making these shots, putting them up 102 to 100. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, you know, Carson mentioned it off air earlier. It's like maybe a little bit of a of a smack in the face to Aaron Gordon that he'd yeah uh, do this if it was intentional. We got to throw that out, you know. Not a great bit of confidence. Yeah, it's it's, you know, it's not no one's comment like Jokic hasn't commented on it that I'm aware of as far as like, yeah, Oh yeah, I did. I did that in case you missed, <laughs> you know? So, you know, maybe he just had a minor stroke or seizure, 
or, yeah. or something. Or maybe he got ahead of himself and, and was just able to save himself mm-hmm. from stepping into the line and the others could not. But anyway, su- suspicious, um, some controversy. And then, you know, uh, Tatum was able to attempt a tying a game tying shot, but misses. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was kind of the game. So, uh, yeah, they, they did a jump ball between Porzingis and Jokic. Uh, Celtics took a couple timeouts and Tatum missed that 17 foot turnaround fadeaway shot mm. or he gets the rebound with two seconds left. And that's the game. Yep. Uh, looking at the box score, we already mentioned that Murray led the um, Nuggets in scoring. Hold on. What's going on here? Oh, boy. Problems I... with the scoring. Yeah. My Do we box... need to call an audible? Well, my <laughs> box score is goofy. <laughs> How so? Like, it just oh, likes to okay. make a lot of jokes. It's... <laughs> <laughs> so it was showing just the fourth quarter's statistics. And I'm like... Uh, I know this is not right. Oh, gotcha. That is so, interesting. Yeah, okay. So we'll jump in. Gosh. 34 points for Jokic, uh, right behind Murray's 35. Jokic also had nine assists and 12 rebounds. Uh, and then Murray contributed five assists and eight rebounds. They both shot, you know, pretty well percentage-wise. 63.6 from the field for Jokic, 50 from the three, shot two for four. And Murray shot seventy-one percent from the field, forty-three uh, from the field from the three, three for seven. So great performances by them. Other double-digit scores is Michael Porter Jr. with thirteen, and then Peyton Watson was close with nine. Uh, and then jumping over to the Celtics, they had a little bit better uh, spread in their score, I guess, as far as who contributed the points. Derek White led with twenty-four. Tatum followed with twenty-two. Kristaps Porzingis had 21, and then Jalen Brown had 13. Other notable contributions were Derek White with five assists and three rebounds, and then Kristaps Porzingis had eight rebounds, two assists. Tatum had five assists and eight rebounds, and Jalen Brown had two rebounds and two steals. Uh, Derek White also had two steals, so uh, great job to them getting it done on both ends. Yep, for Uh, sure. Yeah. And uh, let's also shout out Al Horford, 10 rebounds off the bench. Um, so that's yeah. solid production as well. That is pretty stellar. And he also had a couple of assists. <laughs> Not a lot of blocks in this game. Two assists or two blocks on the Celtics and three on the Nuggets. So, yep. Uh, and two of those were Peyton Watson. So, uh, great job for him, you know, coming off the bench, getting nine points, two blocks, mm. a couple of rebounds. Yeah, Watson has looked better for the Nuggets coming off their bench. And just a couple quick thoughts as far as this game goes. Um, I don't think this is really a a huge concern for the Celtics. I mean, you had to lose one at home at some point. Of course, this is their first <laughs> loss yeah. at home of the season. That's really one of the big takeaways. They're now 20-1, and one, um, so still a phenomenal start. They've been a great team. Um, and they didn't have a terrible game. Um, despite the win, I think I have concerns for Denver and we've talked about it before, but outside of Murray and Jokic, there was a lot of struggling going on for the Nuggets shooting mm-hmm. wise. Um, I mean, they shot 26% from three as a team, as you mentioned. And without Jokic and Murray 
combining to go five of 11. That's even worse. So not great. Um, Again, Watson's been good, but I think there's some, some depth concerns there still, despite a win. Yeah. But, but it also goes to give, you know, show how great Jokic and Murray are as a duo. Yeah, that's true. Even though Jokic did have four turnovers this game, which is a little higher than, Mm. uh, you know, he averages for sure. It is, but then you also, you know, it's like the oh, he set such a high standard because that's yeah, still it's true. <laughs> that's still better than two assists to one turnover. Yeah. It's so, true. yeah, no, it's a good point. But yeah, gutsy win for Denver, even if they did it in some intriguing, crafty ways at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll leave it at that. Celtics now don't have to. With every game, it was just going to build. You know, when are they going to lose at home, or yeah. can they go undefeated? So, um, I guess they can kind of relax a little bit in a way. It's easier for for Boston but a great win for Denver nonetheless um let's go ahead and move on to the next game from Friday night we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns in New Orleans against the Pelicans and they win this game 123 to 109 your final score Devin Booker in particular um very excellent in this game and it wasn't even really that close of a game uh Suns led by double digits after the first quarter and uh they just kind of took it away from there I don't want to quite say boat raced because it wasn't quite that extreme, but it was definitely a uh, a thorough control of the game from beginning to end for the Suns. Looking at the box score for the Pelicans real quick, they were led by Zion, uh, Zion Williamson, 24 points, 64% from the floor, made his one three-point attempt, one of three from the free throw line, and that's been an interesting footnote. It seems like he's had some notable free throw struggles. Maybe he's starting to regress a little bit from the line but otherwise a solid game uh they got 17 points 11 assists and seven rebounds from brandon ingram uh kind of a dark horse for their most versatile player you know we've seen him with some high assist games over the last couple seasons uh they got 16 points 11 rebounds from jonas valanciunas and then 13 points from both cj mccollum as well as jordan hawkins hawkins coming off the bench um I'm interested to see if there's a point where Hawkins gets some more opportunity because we he's had some very impressive games as a rookie. Uh, I think he's easily landed a spot on one of the two all-rookie teams at the end of the year. He's had some high-scoring games, but that'll be to be seen, I'm sure. Uh, but for Phoenix, though, Devin Booker, the leading uh, headline in this game, 52 points in this game with five assists and four rebounds. He shot 60% from the floor on 30 attempts, including 54% from three-point range, 6 of 11, and 10 of 10 from the three free throw line. Uh, phenomenal scoring game for Booker. It's interesting that uh, his previous game against the Pelicans, which was actually 2022, he had 58 in that game. So something about New Orleans, uh, he just likes to go out for some big scoring performances. And in this one, especially the first quarter, 25 in the first quarter alone really set the tone for Phoenix uh, for the rest of the game. Alongside him, Kevin Durant, 26 points, uh, five boards, two assists. How about the defensive numbers for Durant? Two steals and two blocks as well. Um, Underrated as a defender in the last five or six seasons, really, Durant has been. Shot 58% from the floor, three of eight from three. And then uh, alongside them, there was Bradley Beal, 13 points, seven boards, five assists, and Grayson Allen, 12 points, three of six from the three-point line. He is apparently, I saw this stat today, the only player in the league 
at this moment averaging 50, 40, 90 shooting percentages. And he also leads the league in three-point percentage. So an afterthought in a lot of the offseason maneuvers for the Suns and the Bucks, um, Allen has been one of the Suns' best players alongside, you know, obviously Durant, Booker, and Beal. I would argue that Allen, as far as impact this season, just due to the injuries with Beal, Allen's had more of an impact for the Suns than Beal has so far. I think long-term Beal will obviously have much more of an impact, but Allen's been great. So I think he definitely deserves an invite to the three-point contest at All-Star Weekend. But anyways, he's been great. Yusuf Nurkic also had 15 rebounds and nine assists. Um, Solid play. And again, we know the Suns have the talent to be a threat, and they were great this week, and this was a great win for them against the Pelicans. Wyatt, any additional thoughts before we move on to our next game? No, but I I definitely agree with uh I think I think Allen has also contributed more than Bill so far, mm. and you know yeah I wouldn't be surprised if Bill catches up and passes him before the end of the season, but I right. I don't know I think Allen's holding his own. Yep, for sure. Okay, well then let's fly over to Miami, um, okay. where the Hawks competed against Miami Friday night and uh, another exciting close game. And this one was led most of the first half of the game by the Hawks. Uh, They led by as much as 10 and it seemed like they were pretty in control of the game until the heat started fighting back the second half of the first uh, first or second quarter. And then they ended up dominating the third quarter, led the entire time, except for the very start. And then the fourth was just back and forth battle uh, where the lead changed several times. Well, here, I'll give you the number. One, two, three, nine times. Nine lead changes in the last quarter mm. um, of their 18. So half of them occurred in the fourth quarter. That's a lot. Which isn't, yeah, it, not too surprising for the close how close of a game it was though the final score was 109 Atlanta 108 Miami and it came down to the wire so the leading scorer uh for the Hawks is DeJounte Murray who actually closed out the game with a game winning shot uh putting them up one against the Heat he did that they were down two and he hit a three with two seconds left, uh, which, you know, clutch for playing on the road. And not mm. only was it on the road, but it was kind of a notable night for Miami in the sense that they were retiring Udonis Haslam's jersey. And I saw a note that, you know, he was interviewed and he said, you know, I have tons of respect for Udonis Haslam and, Awesome guy, but honestly, we came in here like wanting to win no matter what, and we wanted to spoil the the, the night here in Miami. So, uh, mission accomplished. Uh, I'm sure Haslam is having nightmares about you, and <laughs> he probably yeah. doesn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, they they accomplished what they went out to do after a close battle. So, looking at the other uh, scores for Miami, they were led by 
Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero both with 25 points. Uh, and then Bam Adebayo had 21, and Caleb Martin had 10, and Duncan Robinson had 14. So pretty, uh, pretty good job sharing the ball there. They're, you know, they had five guys in, in uh, double digits, and then a uh, sixth one close, and Josh Richardson who had nine points. Great performances there. Tyler Hero was four for nine from the three point line. Uh, Caleb Martin was two for three. They're doing what they do. Uh, jumping over to the Hawks. Sadiq Bay had 14, Jalen Johnson 15, Bogdan Bogdanovich with 17, and then DeJounte Murray with 22. Patty Mills also contributed 11 points. And then Garrison Matthews and Onyeka Okongu both were close with nine. Oh, and uh, Clint Capella had nine. So they also, you know, definitely shared the offensive burden very well. Both Bogdanovich and Murray were three for seven from the three-point line. Patty Mills, three for five. Garrison Matthews, three for four. So great job uh, shooting tonight from the three-point line. They were 43% as a team compared to Miami's uh, 38. So that's, you know, not a huge difference, but obviously it was a notable one. Hmm. Carson, do you have any thoughts you want to? share on this game oh besides let me throw this out there uh DeJounte Murray this was not a new experience for him with this clutch game-winning shot he also did it Wednesday night uh where he also had you know a game winner so it's his second game winner in three days and I want to look and see who that I want to say it was Orlando yeah, I, um, I think you're right. Of course, that's a safe bet with them being in the same division. But um, <laughs> while Wyatt's looking for that, yeah, I mean, took the words right out of my mouth. Three game winners and two game winners in three days is pretty phenomenal. Reminds me of when Jimmy Butler first got traded to Philadelphia um, in 2019. I want to say his first two games with the Sixers, he had back to back game winners. Um, one of them for sure was in Charlotte can't remember where the second one was um, or the first of the two, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, Atlanta, no matter what their record is, whether it's a year where they're going to be in the playoffs or the play in, or maybe they're missing that entirely. There's still a team that has weapons and can beat you. Um, they just don't always put it together. And so um, they can be dangerous for sure. And I saw a lot of memes about Udonis Haslam um, probably cares more than you might think he might tear up the locker room (laughs) just because (laughs) of course, as a player, his last several years, he was the heat culture guy and he was the one who would make sure they were holding themselves to a high standard. Um, You know, a big loss or a loss when they should have had a win and he would, you know, get after guys. So um, otherwise those are kind of my main thoughts, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and it was against Orlando. So that was a Orlando Wednesday night. It was a 17 foot uh, jumper that gotcha. he hit to to win. So now tonight he needs to, you know, beat the Kings with a four point play. You know, because he had a two he had a two point oh, game winner, a three point game winner. So now he needs to get fouled on a three pointer mm-hmm. to win with a four point play tonight. And you know, 
don't he know, needs to pull a, Larry Johnson. Okay, that's yeah. a yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, th- we could we could maybe start that. That could be the hat trick to have game three game <laughs> winners in three games. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I think that's fair. Although, <laughs> how do, how does he pass that? There's no five point play. Does he have like two straight plays where they were down five, or down <laughs> yeah, four? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Or yeah. It, I don't know. We need, to, we need to invent a five-point play here. <laughs> there we go. We'll start brainstorming that. But uh, yeah. in the meantime, yeah, great win for Atlanta. Um, and let's go ahead and move on to the last game from Friday night. An anticipated one, the debut of Pascal Siakam uh, with the Indiana Pacers. It was on the road, though, in Portland against the Trailblazers. And the Trailblazers spoiled not only the debut of Pascal Siakam, but the return of Tyrese Halliburton to the lineup with a 118 to 115 win in Portland. Um, credit to the Trailblazers for this win. And it wasn't even like a game they stole at the wire. Um, the Trailblazers never trailed in the final three quarters. So uh, very impressive. But you also figured the Pacers are going to need a little bit of time to kind of assimilate Siakam into um, a full, you know, a, a better rhythm offensively. Not that he really disrupts things, but it's, you know, it changes things when you have a new player on your team. But uh, let's look at the box score there first. Miles um, Turner led them in in this game with 29 points, 12 rebounds and five blocks. He's showing, hey, you know, I know Siakam's the headliner. Of course, Tyrese is the leader, but I can be a great third guy to play alongside Siakam. But a great game, six of 10 from three for Turner. Um he is capable of these games and he puts them up more often than people might think. I like miles Turner a lot um, in his return. Tyrese Halliburton, 21 points, 17 assists, zero turnovers. Um, not really showing a lot of rust there, although he did shoot two of seven from three point range. So a little bit uh, off on the shooting numbers. Um, otherwise they had 21 points also from their newest pacer, Pascal Siakam, who grabbed six rebounds and had three assists. Um, solid debut for him. They got 18 points. From Buddy Heald, who also grabbed six boards, had seven assists, a steal and a block as well. And then finally, Aaron Neesmith had 12 points in that starting lineup. Interested to see if they now start Neesmith, where they have a little more offense with Siakam. Neesmith becomes kind of their defensively inclined, along with Turner, guy in the lineup. And then Buddy Heald can play more a natural position at that shooting guard spot. Um Hard to say, but I think that could work, put, could pay dividends. Uh, but then let's focus on Portland because, again, they were the ones who won this game thanks to 37 points from Jeremy Grant, who stuffs the stat sheet with a countdown, four rebounds, three assists, two blocks, and one steal. Uh, a lot of versatility to like there from Jeremy Grant. Uh, they also got 30 points from Malcolm Brogdon, seven rebounds and six assists. Uh, he made 10 of 10 Free throw attempts, very impressive from the reigning sixth man of the year, Brogdon. They got 13 points, 12 rebounds from Jabari Walker, uh, who also had three assists. They got 12 points and eight rebounds, along with two blocks from DeAndre Ayton, and then 10 points off the bench from the rookie Scoot Henderson. Um, Grant and Brogdon in particular really kind of carried the Blazers in this game. Impressive stuff. And they spoil the debut of Siakam. Uh, Wyatt, you weren't on the show when the Siakam trade was made. Now that we have you on, I'm curious, kind of your thoughts on how the Siakam trade can impact uh, the Pacers in terms of this back half of the season and their push for the playoffs. Yeah, I'm. I thought that was a good move by 
Indiana. I mean, not not necessarily Siakam, but I'm glad that they got, you know, they made a move for a bigger name mm -hmm. um, to co hopefully edge them into that uh, top kind of a more competitive playoff position, I guess you should, I could should say. You know, I, I'm yeah. optimistic that it'll work out for them. I hope it works out for him. I think that they just needed a little bit something extra, and I think he could be the, uh, you know, what they <clears> needed. <throat> Although I watched Siakam when he played against the Jazz, and mm. <laughs> I don't know if he had a bad game or, uh, I mean, I think he still played well, but he's kind mm. of whiny <laughs> like, <laughs> the entire game. He's like, just like whining to the refs, and he kept like making this face like. <laughs> it's really no call like it seemed like every single time down the court and i'm like i was kind of like pascal siakam i don't know if this is his norm or if it's just an off night for him and yeah like i i liked him less when he was playing the jazz yeah of course it's hard to say when you're rooting for the jazz it's like wow yeah that's, yeah it's true <laughs> um and i also say that you know sometimes we take for granted how much players complain like because we're <laughs> focused on they made a basket or what the announcer said um, right and then you watch live and it's like a lot of plays are just so it's hard to say but no yeah i i think his play had kind of tapered off a touch over the last couple of years mm -hmm. um of course following the championship the the next year or two he was you know getting even better and was an all-star one or two of those years haven't heard as much some of that could be just be uh could just be toronto uh, you know, tapering off in their own winning. So hard to say, but I think that, you know, there's good potential there. I think we're both on that same yeah. page and it'll be interesting Definitely. to see how it plays out. But um, yeah, otherwise that's kind of all I had there. Why I'll send it over to you for our next game. Uh, the first of our Saturday games that we're focusing on. Yeah. So uh, on Saturday, San Antonio Spurs went on up to Washington DC to face the, the wizards. And this was kind of a unique game because Wembenyama and uh, his former teammate Ola Luby. Ola Luby, is that correct? No, it's <laughs> okay. I was like Bilal Kulabali. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Wyatt is known for the incredible uh, pronunciations. Yeah, Bilal Kulabali. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Something like that. Anyway. They were teammates last year in France, and you know, it, I saw an interview with uh, Cola Luby, who was talking about how he he was asked about how it was playing against Wembenyama, and he's like, "Oh, it's fun. We're happy for each other, mm. but we're gonna get that win next time." <laughs> Which you know, mm. Cola Luby came off the bench for the Wizards. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Are you you're punking me now, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm you now. <laughs> that that's what I. I, I just figured that if I mispronounce it every single time, it'll be less offensive. Yeah. Fair enough. Because <laughs> then it's a a bit, not a, not a mistake. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's what they taught me in showbiz. Yeah. Okay. Um. So anyway, as far as the game, how it went, it, it was pretty back and forth. The Spurs led for most of the first, and then the second was the Wizards, and then the third was back to the Spurs, and then the fourth was back to the Wizards until the very end when um, 
the Spurs swooped in and took the victory 131 to 127. If we look at the box score, um, we'll start with the Wizards. Kyle Kuzma had 11 points. Uh, Marvin Bagley had 21. He was their leader. Denny Av- Avdija and Jordan Poole both had 16. Uh, Kulabali had 14. Tyus Jones, 13. Uh, Corey Kispert, 16. So they actually did a great job of, you know, lots of players in double digits. No one that scored crazy high uh, numbers, but, you know, great job sharing the ball anyway. Mm. Bagley and Kuzma both had 12 rebounds. Kuzma had six assists and Tyus Jones had six assists. Uh, DeLon Wright, uh, he had four assists. And then, you know, they all had their fair share of um, rebounds, you know, led by, I already mentioned Kuzma and Bagley with their 12 rebounds. But then several of them had steals too, you know, Advija won, Kuzma won, Bagley won, Poole had two, Jones had one, Wright had three, and Kispert had one. So great job playing on both ends of the floor for, you know, all of those guys, all our double-digit scores also contributed on the glass and with, uh, you know, sharing the ball and stealing the ball. So pretty well-rounded performance, really. Uh, so kind of a unfortunate loss after a pretty good team performance. If we look at the Spurs, uh, they were led by Wembenyama in several categories, uh, which is what we've come to expect for the Spurs team. I think mm-hmm. he had 24 points, a whopping six blocks, uh, four assists, eight rebounds, uh, unfortunately, six turnovers. But, mm-hmm. you know, pretty a pretty stellar performance for Wembenyama outside of that assist to, st- uh, to turnover ratio. Jeremy Sohan had 23 points, uh, Devin Vassell, 21, uh, Trey Jones, 11, Julian Champ. Why are all these names interesting? <laughs> I, I, I get mixed up. It's either Champagne or Champagne. Okay. <laughs> anyway, he likes wine. Um, <laughs> he had 11 points. <laughs> and then Keldon Johnson had 19. <laughs> so good performances there. Also notable, Champagne had seven rebounds. Uh, Trey Jones had eight, and Keldon Johnson had nine. Uh, Trey Jones contributed 12 assists, which, you know, a phenomenal job considering he only had one turnover. That's like mm. Jokic numbers there 12 assists to one turnover. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Vassal also had five assists. Wembenyan had four that we already mentioned. Zach Collins and Sohan had three each. So they also, you know, you can't you can't uh knock the Spurs for not playing a good, well-rounded team game either. They also played really well as a team, and obviously it was a little bit better than the Wizards, which gave them the victory this uh on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Any absolutely. Thoughts? No, I I mean when Minyama, of course, with the blocks, um, I did have a weekly prediction about that and that's a good you know total to get towards that prediction so thank you Wemby for (laughs) making me look good there but um no yeah otherwise I think um for the Spurs to be able to get these wins against teams that are in their same caliber this season is good for their growth because obviously they're not going to be winning 
a ton of games right now. So they need to get the wins where they can, and then they'll continue to grow as they get um, older and, and wiser, I suppose. Um, quick comment on uh, Marvin Bagley. I'm sorry, man, but there's a great poster now of Weminyama. And, <laughs> and it was more, I, I saw it just on a post and it was the comment was, or the, the headline caption rather was um, Marvin Bagley is 610, by the way. And it's Wembenyama dunking over Marvin Bagley, and Bagley looks like he's about six foot. Um, <laughs> it's it's just you know it's going to happen to a lot of people. It's already happened to many, even though he's a rookie. Um, but yeah, I think that's most of my comments. Um, great win for for San Antonio. One final note for you, Wyatt. Uh, you're so close on uh, Denny Avdia is the. Is that the pronunciation? That's the pronunciation, I believe, Avdia. Okay. Well, who's going to so, guess that? I mean, m- many people might guess that. Okay. I don't. I don't think I guessed that um, when I first started. Oh, I guess that's Avdia. intuitive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but we're but... we're Americans, so we see <laughs> yeah. letters that we just want to pronounce Avdi Avdija. Yeah. But anyways, um, no, yeah, great win for San Antonio. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to our next game, the New York Knicks hosting the Toronto Raptors. Multiple uh, intriguing storylines in this one. Firstly, of course, the most immediate, the recent trade between the Raptors and the Knicks um, involving OG Ananobi going to the Knicks in exchange for RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, among a couple other players, um, Precious Achua and others. So that's a notable one, but it's also notable, of course, because of the off-court um, court battle, the the litigation between uh, the Knicks and the Raptors, and um, a former Knicks employee and James Dolan, and all that that stuff. We haven't seen any of that bleed into uh, games or on court action yet. I'm curious if that will happen. Um, it doesn't seem like that happened with this game. So the main takeaway was um, the recent trade. But uh, as far as the result of the game, the Knicks won at home. In the garden, 126 to 100. Um, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle looks like they kind of led the team as you'd expect. As far as the flow of the game, first half pretty close. Third quarter, though, the Knicks opened the floodgates. Um, huge run to take about a 20 point lead towards the end of the third. And then from there, uh, the game was mostly over. Outdid the Raptors, uh, nearly doubling their rebounding total. Um, and shot much better from the floor and especially the free throw line. How about the Knicks shooting 80% from the free throw line and the Raptors shooting 56% from the free throw line, uh, rough numbers. And that'll be a big factor in this game. But let's look at the Raptors box scores first for the former Knicks. RJ Barrett led them in scoring 20 points with eight rebounds, four assists, uh, decent shooting percentages as well. Um, so that's a nice return to be able to lead your team in scoring going back to your former uh, home court. Emmanuel quickly started in this game. He had 12 points, 11 assists. Not bad. Um, Outside of those guys, they had 16 points from Gary Trent Jr. and then 11 points from Grady Dick, the rookie. Uh, Three of six from three for Grady. Otherwise, um, those were the only double-figure scorers. Meanwhile, for the Knicks, uh, the former Raptors, um, OG Ananobi had 14 points, seven rebounds, three blocks, and a steal. Precious Achua, had 18 points and 11 rebounds off the bench, plus a block. Nine of 10 shooting from the floor. Seems like Achua had a a message to make uh, against the Raptors uh, in this game. But otherwise, outside of the former Raptors, 
they again Jalen Brunson led them 38 points nine assists and a steal uh 56 percent shooting from the floor 45 from three five of 11 Brunson's been on a tear over the last several weeks uh, and he continued that in this game they also got 18 points and 16 rebounds not to mention 10 assists a triple double for Julius Randle who was three of seven from three um you know, we kind of talked about this a few games after the trade was made that uh, my thoughts were, I think it was a great move for the Knicks to be able to let Randall and Brunson focus on the offensive side, especially. And then OG could be the defensive third piece who could score sometimes, but it's more going to be the the lead stopper. And I think it made for a better balance on this team. So I like to see that from Randall, despite seven turnovers, um, still very productive. <clears throat> they got... 17 points as well from Dante DiVincenzo, who started this game alongside Jalen Brunson. I think he's been starting most games. Uh, Josh Hart, 10 points, nine rebounds off the bench. So good all-round stuff for New York. And again, I think uh, I like what they've got with their their roster makeup. I think there's intrigue with Toronto as well as far as RJ's opportunity to, you know, there's not excuses now where there's other guys taking touches. You know, you can be more of a focal point offensively alongside you know a Gary Trent Jr. and a Scotty Barnes Barnes only nine points in this game seven assists six rebounds two blocks still productive but you know he's not as natural a scorer as RJ so that'll be intriguing but still New York exciting to see where they're at as a team we'll see if that's you know that's another weekly prediction that I had the Knicks rising up in the ranks uh after that trade but we'll let the uh you know uh time tell the results of that prediction otherwise um great win for new york why if you have any additional thoughts go ahead otherwise you can take it away with our last game yeah let's just let's jump into that last game it was uh the thunder traveled to minnesota to face the timberwolves and i feel like i've gotten a bunch of low scoring games uh tonight that we've discussed about Mm -hmm. uh but all close so the thunder walked away with the win uh which you know this was obviously a high energy game, top two teams in the West. Uh, and they going into this uh, competition, they were tied. They each, you know, facing each other, they each had won one game and lost one game. So the Thunder walking away with the victory puts them up uh, to lead them two to one. And their final uh, matchup in the regular season will be on the 29th. So, you know, it's will the Timberwolves even the the record here or will the thunder go up three to one so we interesting to see on the 29th but jumping into uh saturday's game if we the the thunder jumped out to a, a very strong start they led by as much as 16 in the first quarter uh and they led the entire first quarter the timberwolves got a small lead uh in the second quarter but it was taken back at halftime by the Thunder. And then the Timberwolves went on a run and they looked really good for most of the second half. Uh, They had secured the lead for most of that. But then the Thunder fought their way back up, uh, tied it a couple, the lead and uh, finished winning by five points. So there, the performances were pretty, uh, Wow, pretty impressive, actually. So you can see that these two teams play very different games. So 
second chance points, the Timberwolves had 16. Uh, obviously, their uh, front court, <clears throat> sorry, their front court is pretty impressive with Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. So they can get a lot of offensive rebounds. And yeah, 16 points compared to the Thunders, two. Fast break points, on the other hand, OKC had 15 compared to Minnesota's four. So just totally different play styles, it seems like, based on the. Uh, the Thunder had 12 steals uh, compared to the Timberwolves' four. Timberwolves had seven blocks compared to Thunder's four. Uh, turnovers, Timberwolves turned it over 21 times. Thunder oh only goodness. turned it over eight times. 50 rebounds for the Timberwolves versus 37 for OKC. Just totally bizarre how different these teams uh, are, are playing and mm. where their strengths are but kind of fascinating to watch it all play out. And obviously it's working out a little bit better for the Thunder uh, so far this this season, but it, it's definitely not a shoe-in that the Thunder will win the third game. It'll be interesting to see how the Timberwolves adjust. Mm-hmm. So let's jump over to the box score. Uh, the, the Timberwolves were led uh, by both Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, who both had 19 points. Nas Reed uh, followed them with 18 points, and then Jaden McDaniels had 15 points. Jordan McLaughlin had eight, and Gobert had seven, so they were kind of in the, you know, near double-digit range. Mm-hmm. As a former Jazz player, uh, Gobert's watched decently often. The, the same, uh, <laughs> same struggles <laughs> that we wish that he. <clears throat> Uh, you know, the, the as far as points <clears throat> and his impact on the offense, I don't think anyone can ever question his uh, defensive prowess and the, the presence that he brings on the defensive side mm. of the court. But, man, I wish he would uh, score more points and have a little bit stronger yep. offensive game. And I'm sure the that Minnesota feels that way as well right now. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he did contribute 18 rebounds, a couple of assists, and uh, – Oh, he didn't have any blocks tonight. Actually, check yeah. myself before I, was I kinda, say that. So I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, that is a little surprising. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns he had eleven uh, rebounds, also with two assists. Uh, in addition to his nineteen points, he did have one block. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Edwards five assists, five rebounds. Mike Conley four assists, three rebounds. He also struggled scoring. He only had three points. He was one for nine, one out of nine for the from the three-point line and one out of 11 from the field. So yeah. rough uh, <clears throat> performance for for the former Jazz players in <laughs> Minnesota, yeah. uh, But uh, Nas Reed, he actually led both teams in blocks. He had four. Uh, yeah. Chet Holmgren led the Thunder with two. So pretty impressive. Uh, Reed, who had four, you know, four assists, he had a few rebounds, only three but then also the 18 points. So impressive for someone who, you know, only played 25 minutes. Mm. And then if we jump up to the Thunder, the winning team, they were led by, of course, Shea Gilgeous Alexander, who are Gilgis. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Gilgis. Gilgis. Okay. Yep. Yes. I think I always call him Gil- Gilgeous, but <laughs> that's obviously <laughs> wrong. 
and I yeah. knew it was Gilgis, but habit forced me. Uh, anyway, he's obviously uh, in the running for MVP, so of course we expect a strong game from him with the, those 33 points. He also had two steals, six assists, and two rebounds. Um, mm-hmm. He shot very well. Uh, he shot 12 out of – he made 12 out of his 13 free throws. So great job getting to the line and finishing uh, on the free throw line as well. Mm-hmm. He also was 10 out of 22 from the field. So great performance from him. Uh, Jalen Williams, Jalen with an L-E-N, had mm-hmm. 20 points. And then Lugens Dort had 14. Chet Holmgren had 15 uh, and then several other players that had five kind of carried the offense there. Mm. Um, looking at steals, they all did pretty well with that. They had seven players uh, who got steals. Uh, Dort with two, Williams with three, and Alexander with two. And then Joe, Wallace, Giddy, and Holmgren all had one. Also, Kendrick Holmgren. Williams make it eight. Oh yeah, Kendrick Williams. How about that? So, yeah, great, great job, and that obviously contributes to the huge uh, deficit that the Timberwolves had in steals compared to the Thunder's, because you know lots of active hands on the Thunder's team, mm-hmm. um, and and the turnovers too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, turnovers and steals, obviously, that makes sense for them to correlate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Giddy led the three bounds. He had eight. Dort Williams and Holmgren all had five. Uh, oh, and Joe, Isaiah Joe had five. And then, you know, a few here and there for several of the other players too. But I also wanted to point out uh, Chet Holmgren, four out of eight. He's our, we already discussed Wembenyama, runner for uh, rookie of the year, four for eight from the field, one for two from three. Uh, and six for six from the free throw line. So good job for the big feller uh, putting in the free throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any thoughts on this game, Karsten? Uh, no, I ex- absolutely. Chet Holmgren, great game. He's obviously a rookie of the year candidate uh, in a year where most thought Wemby would have a, a great chance to win. Uh, there's a lot of fans who were you know, well aware that Holmgren having a year, especially in the Thunder's facilities, would have a good chance to to be in that mix. And he's right there. Um, of course, congratulations to him. He recently had his high school Jersey number retired. Um, yeah. I saw, I saw so, yeah, several of his teammates. Yeah. It looked like the right. whole, the whole thunder team went to his wow. um, grad or not graduation, his retirement Jersey retirement. Um, I didn't see Josh Giddy walk in. Um, that potentially could not have been a, a great look. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the the joke to come. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I hate to hate to do it because it's kind of low hanging fruit, but uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. It's I I immediately I saw that and was looking for him, and I'm like, I guarantee the comments on this, all of them are going to be, <clears throat> where's you know where's Josh Giddy at or <laughs> yeah. other such comments. We won't get too deep yeah. into that, but no, yeah, big win for the Thunder. It is interesting that they lead that season series, um, that two to one lead. I think that's very interesting. Um, did you make the the note about SGA and the thirty point games? No, I didn't. Do you want um, to mention that? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's I was saying this to Wyatt. It's one of those stats where 
sometimes it's like, okay, who finds these stats? And um, but it's it's pretty impressive nonetheless. So Shagel just Alexander has 30 games this year where he scored 30 points, and that's after only 41 games played. Uh, of course, we're about at the halfway point, so that's a, a big landmark for us. But uh, apparently, as far as stats go, he's the eighth player to do that, to have 30 games of 30 points after playing 41 games about the halfway point. Um, the other players to do it, Wilt Chamberlain did it five times. Um, Jordan did it twice. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Nate Archibald, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, and Luka Doncic. Um, and I say the halfway point, you know, not entirely because for a few of those guys, Wilt, um, Elgin Baylor specifically, those two guys along with Rick Barry, they played a number of seasons where a full regular season was not 82 games. It was 80 games, or in one case, one season for Wilt, it was 81 games. Um, and that just happened to be maybe his best team along with the 72 Lakers. That's a whole other note, but no, still impressive stuff. Of course, he's emerged as an MVP level candidate alongside the likes of Embiid and Jokic and, and Giannis. So impressive stuff for SGA. And uh, again, the Thunder winning that series, despite still being behind the Timberwolves, just a game or two in the standings. Um, it's a credit to what the Thunder have done. Um, credit to both these teams, really, for being that high and being the, the two best teams in the West right now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the second half of the season. That last game, this uh, upcoming Monday, uh, the 29th, that'll be intriguing. I'll be uh, hopefully able to watch for that one as well. But otherwise, I think that's all I had, and that kind of takes care of our main game summary. So I'll go ahead and let us jump into uh, the remaining games that we didn't have a chance to focus a little bit more in depth on, starting on Friday uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers winning in Orlando against the Magic, 124 to 109. Joel Embiid kept the streak up of 30-point games. He had 36. That was his 19th straight. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets won at home against the San Antonio Spurs, 124 to 120. Uh, the uh, let's see what other games. And then finally, the Brooklyn Nets won in Los Angeles against the Lakers, 130 to 112. Cam Thomas had 33 points coming off of the bench. Of course, the Warriors game at home against the Dallas Mavericks was postponed in the wake of the passing of Dejan Milojevic. So um, that game will be rescheduled for a later date. Then on Saturday, the other games we didn't go more in depth on the Milwaukee Bucks won in Detroit against the Pistons 141 to 135 thanks to 45 points and 11 assists from Damian Lillard um also I got to jump back to Friday I'm realizing I missed a note from that Sixers Magic game uh along with Embiid keeping that streak up Embiid and Maxi each had 30 points in that game and that's the eighth time they've done that this season and that broke a franchise record a 58-year-old franchise record that was set by Wilt Chamberlain and Hal Greer. So props to them for that record. Um, otherwise, let's go ahead and jump back into uh, Saturday's games with another Sixers game, the Sixers winning in Charlotte against the Hornets, 97-89. to Embiid with 33. That was 20 straight games um, with 30 points uh, at least in each of those games. Only five such streaks have been at least that long or longer. Wilt Chamberlain did it four times and Harden did it once. So he's in very elite company and spoiler alert, he did not, uh, that streak did not end tonight, but of course we'll talk a little bit more about tonight's game on Wednesday. Crazy stuff out of Philadelphia. Um, the 
Cleveland Cavaliers won in Atlanta against the Hawks, 116 to 95. Um, that's Cleveland's seventh straight win, the longest active streak in the NBA. So definitely impressive. Um, sad news for us. The Utah Jazz lost in Houston against the Rockets in overtime, 127 to 126. Yeah. Alperen Shingun with a huge game, 37 points, 14 rebounds. Clarkson did have a double-double, 33 points, 12 rebounds, um, but not quite enough. And then finally, the Chicago Bulls won at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 125-96. to uh, So that was the last game from Saturday. Finally, Sunday. We didn't even focus on any games in detail from Sunday. We maybe could have talked about this game. Uh, the LA Clippers winning at home against the Brooklyn Nets, 125-114. to Harden with a double-double against his former team. They had a 22-0 to run to close out the game which is tied for the wow. longest such run since 1998. Two other games uh, had similar runs. I didn't make a note of which games those were. I want to say one was from 2009 and one was from a few years ago. Um, still very impressive stuff for an impressive Clippers team this year. It's still crazy to think back where they were uh, the first few weeks of the season. And they had just after the Harden trade, a lengthy losing streak. And we mm-hmm. wondered what's the future for this team. And then suddenly they've just, you know, been on fire and they've become one of the top teams top four or five teams in the western conference so props to the clippers for that win uh the denver nuggets won in washington against the wizards 113 to 104 um Jokic, a historic stretch for him lately his past 12 games he's shooting um he always made 125 of his 167 shot attempts that's a percentage of 74.9 <laughs> over the last 12 games, he's averaging 13.9 attempts per game. Only Wilt has an, a higher percentage across 12 games with similar attempts per game or total attempts. He shot 78% uh, in 1967. So Jokic has been shooting lights out. Uh, very impressive stuff. Uh, next, the Orlando Magic won at home against the Miami Heat, 105-87. to uh, Adebayo and Bancaro both with double-doubles. The Boston Celtics won in Houston against the Rockets, 116-107. to 107. Uh, In Ime Udoka's new home this time around, the Celtics still win. Shangun with a triple-double, 24 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, the Phoenix Suns won at home against the Indiana Pacers, 117-110. to 110. Kevin Durant with 40 in that game to keep the Siakam, um, the newly acquired Siakam and Pacers, uh, 0-2 so far in Siakam's uh, Indiana career and then finally the los angeles lakers won at home against the portland trailblazers 134 to 110 your final with d'angelo russell 34 points um not seemingly that excited about winning the game and scoring high um interesting vibes from him and both rui hachimura of course floodgates were opened on social media about looks like they they know something about you know a trade or whatever it is um a lot of speculation a lot of, uh, you know, pontificating from people who uh, like to read into things. We'll see what happens. Um, of course, Lakers looking for some answers. They've been winning a little more lately. But otherwise, those are the games from the past weekend. And we'll just run through the news real quick because I mentioned this to Wyatt. Not a lot of news. Um, we had three transactions, um, a bunch of 10-day contracts. Firstly, the Indiana Pacers signed forward James Johnson to a 10-day contract. We thought they might re-sign him after... He was waived to make the Siakam trade work. Now he's back. Um, and then the Portland Trailblazers signed guard Tajay Moore to a 10-day contract. 
Um, he's gotten some hype uh, in his college career and in the G League, so he could be intriguing to watch in Portland. And then finally, the Washington Wizards signed center Trey Jemison to a 10-day contract. Uh, so some uh, transactions made there. The Atlanta Hawks uh, guard Trey Young has been placed in concussion protocol. Hopefully he's able to get back on the floor and out of that uh, sooner rather than later. Finally, uh, your NBA players of the week have been announced. Joel Embiid in the Eastern Conference and Kevin Durant in the Western Conference. Congratulations to both of those players. Well-deserved. They'll be names to talk about in our weekly MVP conversation, but that's for a little bit later in the show because right now we're going to jump into this uh, week's latest edition of our power rankings. Power rankings. <clears throat> All right. Power rankings. We are back. Um, the first time for a couple of weeks, we've been able to do it uh, as a duo rather than a, a solo power rankings segment uh, with that fact. Uh, looking at things, looks like Wyatt didn't have a ton of movement. Um, well, he had some, but I, I think we're both the same. None, we didn't have too many big movers and shakers, especially our top and our bottom. Um, but I'll let you go ahead and start with uh, your power rankings, however you want to best do it, uh, talking about teams that moved for you uh, in your power rankings. Okay. Yeah, like Carson said, not a, not a lot of, of movement, especially at the – I guess kind of the bookends of my uh, power rankings. More of my movement was in the middle. Um, but the Cavaliers did make their way up to the top, into the top 10. They are now 10th, uh, pushing out names like the Pelicans, Pacers, uh, and Suns, who are falling shortly behind them. They moved up four spots uh, after their 3-0 performance this last week. The Knicks didn't move. They're still in ninth. Mavericks are still in eighth. Uh, seventh is now uh, being held by the Thunder, who moved down one, uh, not because of any fault of their own, but because of a great uh, performance by the Philadelphia 76ers the last couple weeks, who moved up to sixth. Um, they were 4-0 this last week. And then my top five have, uh, they stayed the same, with Clippers being fifth, Bucks fourth, Timberwolves third, Nuggets second and Celtics first. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of my top 10. Other big movers, you know, the Suns moved up a few spots, maybe starting to kind of get their thing going here, working out. Uh, I mean, obviously they've had some injury struggles, but, you know, they're a pretty stacked team that we expect to be a heavy playoff competitor. Um and they might be starting to work some things out and make their way up into that uh, that mix. And they, they are in a play-in position right now with being in seventh. The Magic dropped three. Uh, Lakers moved up a couple. Heat moved down a couple. Jazz, after a stellar, uh, not this last week, but the week before they had a stellar run at home going 4-0. Uh, they moved up two. Bulls moved up two. Warriors down one. Rockets down four. And then Hawks up three. Outside of that, my bottom group is pretty consistent. I mean, Grizzlies fell a couple, Nets fell one, but the bottom group is pretty consistent and has been pretty much all year. Yeah. And we talked about it, I think, our last power rankings we did 
the fact that that bottom five or six really doesn't move a lot. Um, yeah. Teams have been steady in their positioning there, but um, <clears throat> no, yeah, I had similar moves um, as far as my power rankings go, you know, jazz for me, they fell just because um, I had already moved them up three the previous week. And so then they fell after a one and two week, um, you know, Houston fell, Brooklyn fell, Atlanta and Chicago moved up a bit. That's kind of just in that bottom uh, third to, you know, bottom half of the NBA, along with the Lakers moving up a couple. Uh, the Heat fell four spots. They were one in three. And this Heat team has just been up and down. We, of course, know that they didn't finish that well last season before having a magical playoff run. But there's only so much, you know, you can only do that for so long after having a prolonged off season or, or prolonged season rather last year and a shortened off season. And then you do that same thing again in the regular season with, you know, getting into the playoffs with iffy standing and then you go on a run, you know, you can only do that so much I feel. And so I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm less enchanted with the heat at the moment. We'll see if they change that. Um, and the contrary, the other flaming ball logo team, the Phoenix suns, moved up five. They were three and oh, they're just outside the top 10 now because of the reasons we've talked about. They've been looking better. Um, Indiana fell out of the top 10 um, after going one and three. Uh, but of course, Siakam and Halliburton can change that. Um, <clears throat> and then we get into my top 10, my 10th spot. New Orleans fell two spots down to there. Um, the Zion thing, he hasn't been as stellar as I would like. And um, they've just been after a hot start to the month, they've been lacking a bit over the last couple of weeks um so i have them down cleveland moves up to my ninth spot three no up four spots similar to wyatt you know with donovan mitchell carrying them the way he has you figure once they get garland and mobley back um and the supporting guys have had the chance to play bigger roles and and get more experience that can only i would think benefit them so they're up to nine up one spot is New York to eight, three and one. Again, the mix there, we talked about it with the recap for their game. I like them this year. Uh, swapping places at six and seven, Sixers up one, Clippers down one. Um, Clippers not bad. They were two and oh, um, but the Sixers were just so good. They had to move up four and oh, and Bede's been dominant. Um, the front runner at this point, I would say for MVP, um, that can be argued, but He's been great. Also swapping spots at four and five nuggets up one to four bucks down one to five um, bucks were one and one, not terrible, but the nuggets two and one with an impressive win over Boston. I think that earns them a top four spot. And then finally the top three stay the same for me. Celtics one Timberwolves two, thunder three, despite the thunder again, leading that series and beating Minnesota this year, Minnesota still has the better record not only this season, but this last week, two and one versus two and two. I think it makes sense to keep Minnesota there. However, if we're back here in a couple of weeks and the Thunder go on an even better run and they beat Minnesota again to lead the series 3-1, maybe OKC is a top two team, uh, a top team. Who knows what happens at that point? Otherwise, that kind of rounds out my top 10 and um, fairly straightforward, I think. You know, props to Cleveland for moving up. Otherwise, not a ton of big movement. And um, I think that's all I have to say about that. Why any thoughts to, to bounce off in comparison of our power rankings before we uh, jump into our next segment? I was just looking at, at uh, there's one team, one uh, of the better teams, I guess, that we have in very different spots. 
and that's the Mavericks. Yep. I feel like uh, <clears throat> I have them way higher, uh, probably than they should be, <laughs> and you have them uh down at what thirteenth, yeah, and I have them in eighth. Not so not mm. a huge difference, but it's just one that I've noticed. You know, looking yeah. back on my power rankings, they're persisting uh to keep in my top ten <clears throat> for some reason, and I was just evaluating myself. I'm like the Knicks and the Cavs and the Pelicans all have better records than the than the Mavericks. Mm. I'm like, why am I not moving the Mavericks out of my top ten? But I don't know. Something is, something is, uh, I guess, interesting. Or I, I'm optimistic that, you know, the Luca will finally get the success that he deserves. <laughs> I feel like I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I, I was gonna say. I mean, that's that's a big, you know, advocate or you know, reason to keep your team in the top ten is a guy by the name of Luca, and yeah. He, you know, we can, we know he can be magical and they have been very good. You know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad, you know, that you're completely out of touch to leave him in the top 10. Um, Of course I have them ranked differently, but it's not too far off, you know, and we'll, we'll yeah. see, we'll see how they continue the rest of the season. Um, But there's every possibility that they, you know, lock in a top 10 spot. Um, But no, yeah, great, great observation. Cause I, I did kind of miss that, but um. Otherwise, it looks like that kind of is it for our, our power rankings this week. So let's go ahead and move into our next segment, uh, our latest installment of DEFCON Levels. We are at DEFCON 1. DEFCON 1. <laughs> DEFCON Levels. All right. Thanks again to uh, Microsoft Mike. Uh, we don't give him props enough for his audio work on the, um, the segment uh, audio drops there. Um, of course, if you're new, I'll try and explain it very briefly. If you're familiar with military terminology or the DEFCON terminology, basically, um, if a DEFCON, you have a DEFCON level of five, that's peacetime, no threat to worry about. DEFCON level four, there is a threat, a small threat, and that escalates and you go to DEFCON level one and it's, you know, uh, red alert imminent threat kind of a situation. And we apply it to our basketball topics and conversations where, uh, you know, we say, what is the chance of this player winning an MVP? Something along those lines. And if the other person says DEFCON level five, it's not really a threat, not something you should worry about. I think there's a lot of things going against that versus DEFCON level one. Um, red alert, there's a high chance or a very good chance that happens. Hopefully that explains it well enough. Of course, you've, if you've listened previously, you understand the show. Um, we have five topics again for you today. I have three. Wyatt has two. Wyatt, I will go ahead and get us started with uh, Joel Embiid. And again, a small preview for Wednesday's show. Um, tonight, he had a very high-scoring game, high enough that it bumped his scoring average for the season up one full point. Um, crazy stuff. And we'll talk about it more in depth on Wednesday. For the season now, he's averaging 36.1 points per game, which is perfect because that ties at the moment James Harden's scoring average when he won the scoring championship in 2019 when he was a scoring champ. So why, what is your DEFCON level on Joel Embiid besting that average in this season? Ooh. That's a... Uh... Sheesh, that's a good one. Thank you. I I don't know. I so part of me wants to say, you know, 
he's doing it right now, so you know, it's definitely not like it's definitely not a five, you know. Hmm. Not like there's a very real chance he could do that. He's he's been doing it. Um mm -hmm. but then there's another part of me that it's like well he you know of course wants to come out hot there's all-star game there's in-season tournament uh you know they didn't have the best standing uh for a while in the eastern conference i mean they were never bad but uh you know now now they're third in the east you know right behind the bucks who are second all-star games approaching you know we're past the in-season tournament you know will he have a uh a, a little bit of a hiatus where he isn't playing out of his mind uh mm -hmm. for a while and just kind of coast a little bit um you know of course with being the front runner for mvp you would expect you know probably not or hopefully not and you know of course they want to keep themselves in a good position so that requires him playing his best mm. uh i'll i'll give it a two i think okay. it's i think it's decently likely uh similar to harden with that rockets team uh that was with the rockets right yeah yeah okay i was like he he was traded the next year um anyway so he doesn't have a lot of people that he you know really needs to share the ball with maxi's great mm. um but he's definitely like their offensive force his you know ultimately his oh shoot i may be talking myself out of it i was gonna say you know his shots that he takes are more like a higher percentage than the ones that Harden uh, was taking mm. to to get a lot of these. You know, a lot of three points. I mean, he also got at the free throw line a lot, but yeah. Um, As does but that, but, I mean, I think he leads yeah. the league in free throw attempts. Right, but you know, Embiid's. You know, yes, it's a higher percentage, but most of his, you know, most of his buckets are only worth two versus Harden had a lot of threes. So, yeah. you know, makes it easier to get to that 36 point uh barrier, I guess, that MB needs to pass. But I'll I'll stick with two. I think okay. you know, ultimately it's easier to stay consistent from the paint than it is the three point line. Yeah, that's so. a good point. Yeah, it kind of goes both ways, right? It's yeah. your higher percentages inside, but you're getting, you know, to 36 quicker if you're making a lot of threes. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, but I think obviously the free throw thing is a big factor. If he wasn't shooting as many free throws or making as many free throws, um, it wouldn't be as much of a threat, but he's leading the league in free throw attempts and he's making just about 89%, which is first of all, phenomenal for a big man, but um, that's kind of the pace you need to be a scoring champ is free throws along with shooting from the floor. So I think it's a fair reaction. I'd, I'd say two as well. All right. Nice. Yeah. So I, I'm going to keep the ball rolling with the 76ers here with my first Steph Curry level. Okay. Um. So I want I want to discuss the 76ers in comparison to the Thunder. Okay. Uh, you know both teams that, I mean, we knew that are going to be good. Uh. You know, carrying Embiid, um, 
coming into this season. But I would say they're a little bit better than I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Thunder very much so have been better than I expect them, expected them to be this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've discussed mm-hmm. heavily them being second in the West and uh, the great playmakers and SGA and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But my DEFCON level is, what do you think the DEFCON level is on the 76ers making a deeper playoff run than the Thunder? Okay. So, um, so we're comparing the, the two of them. Yeah, comparing um, two uh, underdogs, so to speak, for the top comp the top of each conference, you know, east near the top of the east, near the top of the west. Right. Because so you're saying like because in the west you'd have two teams, the Nuggets and Timberwolves, um roughly. And then similar to the same in the east with the Celtics and Bucks. Um team to go deeper. That's very interesting. If, if what kind of teams because the problem with the West is it's so deep. You know, if you have the Thunder locked in at two or three there's a real probability they're playing a team like Phoenix, Sacramento, um, Dallas, Los Angeles. You know, we we know what the Lakers were able to do last year with a um, a seventh seed versus the East. You know, I think the Pacers will jump up. The Heat are a team in that same threat, but otherwise you'd have Magic, Bulls, Hawks, you know. So I think that's a factor. Um, and with the youth of the Thunder versus the Sixers, general a little bit more experience especially playoff experience i would go with the sixers to have a deeper playoff run um a little bit more likely um so but wait a minute i'm i'm assigning a defcon level to yeah to, to which sixers aspect going deeper oh sixers i see going deeper so yeah so then i would say um i i'd have to say a defcon level 2 then cuz i think it's greater if it was a, if it was equal i'd say probably defcon 3 Right, mm-hmm. if I'm understanding this, but if I think it would be a two, not quite a one, because the you know I can't, I certainly can't disregard what the Thunder have done this year against the top teams as well. They beat a lot of good teams, um, in some cases more so than even the the Timberwolves. But um, I still go with Philadelphia, just because of the the conference aspect of it, uh, not necessarily for any strength between the two teams because they're both really good both with MVP candidates. So I would say DEFCON level two. Nice. Yeah, I'd agree. Okay. No, fair enough. We're, we're both lining up in the, in the same page here. We'll have to see if that continues with our, our next topic here. I'm going to go um, in the Eastern conference. And one of those teams that I talked about as not as much of a threat just because of their last few weeks. Um, well, actually last month or more, um, this team had a really hot start. The Orlando magic, at one point, we're a top four team in the Eastern Conference. Bancaro looked like he was really emerging as a top flight player uh, in terms of, you know, second or third year players, um, you know, a future top player in the Eastern Conference. They were looking great <clears throat> defensively. They were really winning games on that aspect of it. Um, over their last 10 games are four and six. Um, they've just been following steadily in the East they're eighth at the moment, 23 and 21, still a winning record. Um, but why, what is your DEFCON level on the Orlando magic missing the playoffs after such a hot start to the season? Mm. 
Well, so right now they're in a play-in position. Uh, but they have a decent lead on, you know, the Bulls and Hawks. So ultimately they're, you know, they're going to face someone like the Bulls and Haw Bulls or Hawks probably, mm -hmm. you know, maybe like the Pacers or the Heat. To get a playoff position, mm. I don't know. I I mean i I think the the Pacers or the Heat would probably beat them, mm. and you know, not not definitely, but I, I if I had to bet, I would say I would put money on Pacers or Heat in that matchup. Mm. I think they could beat the Bulls, and the Hawks. I think is a major toss up. Mm. Because yeah, if the so... let's say let's say the playing field was set at where it is, it would be Pacers Magic for the seventh seed, Bulls Hawks for a chance at a final game. Mm -hmm. Um, if the Bulls win and the Magic lose, then it would be Bulls Magic for the eighth seed. And you're saying, you know, you think good chance Orlando wins that versus Atlanta yeah. beats Chicago, then it's Atlanta versus Orlando for that eighth seed. And there's maybe a bit, it's a little more dicey there, which I get right. with Trey Young and, and a playoff atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And apparently, you know, DeJounte Murray with his. Yeah, DeJounte <laughs> Murray, game winners. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go with like a, I'm going to go with a, a two again. Wow. Apparently it's the night for twos. I, I think yeah. that there's a, very real chance they will not uh make the playoffs. Mm. Um yeah, I I don't know. It's it's just a matter of the Bulls might be warming up a little bit, might push them down to being a ninth or tenth seed, and then mm. it's like one loss and you're out. Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna do it too, yeah. Okay, I I'll go I'll go disagree on this this one for you. Um, I'll say Defcon level three because I think it, I we didn't expect them to be quite this good, so it's hard to it's harder to predict what we kind of think they're going to do as far as maintaining, improving, worsening. Um, yeah. So I I think it's three. You know, I I feel like the Pacers are going to move up, and um, the Heat maybe fall to their spot. I don't think Orlando passes either of those teams. So I feel like eight could be a spot where they stay if they can uh, be a little more consistent. Um, mm -hmm. And then in that case, you know, I feel like toss up between bulls and Hawks and, and it could be flipped. It could be bulls are a better matchup for them uh, or, or bulls are a worse matchup for them rather than the Hawks. It's hard to say exactly. We're just going based off the, the Trey Young and DeJounte Murray factor, but the Bulls have, you know, DeMar DeRozan and he's had some clutch moments. He has, you know, ample playoff experience as we know. Um, and so, AC. yeah, exactly. Um, Caruso, the Caruso, he could be valuable there too. So um, I think that I'd say three because, you know, that they have two games. If they're an eighth seed, they have two games to get in. Um mm -hmm you know, even if they lose that first game, they can win the second um, versus, you know, Bulls and Hawks. They have to win. They have to win two straight. 
Um, so for that factor, pass up, you know, magic have been good and they've done it defensively for the most part of the season. I think that's a factor as well. Um, I would go with a three in this case. No. Fair. So there, that's my verdict on it. Wyatt, what do you got next for me? So another playoff uh, DEFCON level here with the Suns. Uh, Suns obviously have had fair share of struggles starting out this season, but now they've moved up to sixth. They um, are guaranteed a spot in the playoffs if they maintain this uh, positioning in the West. Mm. Um, but, you know, like Karsten mentioned, the West is very close, uh, you know, just a few games apart with basically fourth seed to uh 11th yeah 10th seed you know fourth seed mm-hmm. to 10th seed is really quite close so um what is the defcon level of the suns being sixth seed or higher so basically securing a playoff position uh, not play in position mm-hmm. at the end of the regular season. Should I go outlandish with this? Sure. Like hot take, maybe not hot take, but like, you know, chip all chips in. I'm all yeah, in let's on this. Do it. do it. Why not? We'll go DEFCON level one. Phoenix should be a top six team. Um, they've struggled a lot in the first half of the season, of course. Um, but to still be six after just a little bit more than halfway point with missing most of Bradley Beal and not having a, having great depth. Um, you know, I think that <clears throat> top six should be almost, and I feel bad doing that because again, the West is so stacked, but Phoenix, you have Durant, a former MVP and finals MVP. Um, you have Booker who with, Chris Paul and a, a decent supporting cast was able to lead this team to the finals, despite, you know, what people might have as far as gripes with Devin Booker. And then you have Bradley Beal, who's a proven all-star who's been added to the team. It was a, a storyline and they underachieved for sure. And again, depth bench, those are big question marks. Um, but the, a lot of that is you think about the turnover of this team how many guys were brand new to the roster or, you know, were finding bigger roles. I mean, they had a, a bunch of turnovers comparing it to last season. Last season was, you know, Chris Paul, Booker, Durant. They had DeAndre Ayton starting. They had, um, who did they even have off the, the bench? It wasn't Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen. And um, I think Okogi was there, but they didn't have Yusuf Nurkic starting. They didn't have Metu and Eubanks. And like it's a, a whole new roster along with injury troubles. And so I think that is a big factor here. And so if you're talking about this back half of the season where now they're acclimated, they have the talent level, they have great supporting pieces in Allen, especially, but also Nurkic has been a nice performer. They've had, they have Bull Bull who could still be a, a player for them when he gets moments, um, Eric Gordon as a veteran coming off the bench, you know, I like the makeup a lot more that we've gotten into the season and they have an experienced head coach and Frank Vogel, who's a champion and a multi-time playoff appearance guy with, of course, the Lakers most recently, but also with the Pacers, great Pacers teams with Paul George. So 
there's a lot of reasons to say that that's uh, a pretty close lock. Um, there's a chance it doesn't happen, but I feel like you have to bet for it. Seven and three in their last 10, five game win streak. They're starting to put it together. The guys are more consistently on the floor. I would go with DEFCON level one. Nice. Yeah, I like it. We haven't had a one in a while. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Where would you go with it? Yeah, a one probably. Okay. I, I think that, you know, I would expect them to pass the Pelicans uh, mm. within the next couple of weeks. And then that moves them up to fifth and they have the opportunity to still lapse and fall, uh, you know, two spots before they're out mm-hmm. uh, instead of just being right on the edge. So, yeah, no, fair enough. And, um, <laughs> you know, if the Suns wind up not being a top six team and they have bad playoff luck, I guess they know who to blame, uh, or at least true. They, we uh, chased them. <laughs> We we jinxed them. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time, at least I think, that we've potentially jinxed a team or a player. Um, sorry, Memphis fans, last year after they had a win streak, I kind of jinxed them there. But um, no, I think uh, fair point. We'll go ahead and move on to our last um, topic for tonight. I'm focusing on a player, not the biggest headline player in Bruce Brown. Um, of course, we've known as recently as last playoffs the impact that bruce brown can have especially as a bench player in terms of you know some scoring but also um running the offense a touch um defensive impact intensity rebounding you know he's kind of a do-it-all player in, in a small size uh, more of a guard type spot but he can play f- the three sometimes he can even stretch him as a four mm-hmm. um he of course signed with indiana got a nice big contract after being such a big piece of their um their championship team and then was recently traded to toronto as part of the siakam trade toronto of course not a competitive team right now they're not going to be fighting for uh playoff success so there's eyes on bruce brown why what is your defcon level on bruce brown being traded to a top three team in either conference sheesh Ah uh, man, let's see. Just, when did he? When did he go to Toronto? Um, uh, it was last week. It was last uh, Wednesday. Okay. And the trade deadline, I believe, is coming up in the next few weeks. So let me go ahead and find the exact <laughs> date for us. Uh, February eighth is the trade deadline for you. So bumping again, which Shout. you know wouldn't be crazy. Uh, you know, to just work another trade out you know, with this new piece, basically, that you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, just for reference, the top three teams in the East right now are the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers, and in the West, the Timberwolves, Thunder, and Nuggets. Those are your top three teams in either conference. Yeah. I mean... Do we rule out him going back to the Nuggets? I don't think necessarily. I mean, that was going to be if you didn't if you didn't talk about it. I was going to say, you know, it would be a great team <laughs> yeah. that would benefit from Bruce Brown services, the Denver Nuggets. That's what I'm thinking. The Nuggets and the Sixers. I think he'd fit well with the Sixers. Sixers too, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
you know, I would say Minnesota could benefit, except for I feel like I feel like the guard position has to be they have to have the perfect guard to make their system work, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that um blank. <laughs> um Mike Conley. Conley. Yeah, I think that, <laughs> I think that Conley is that guy for them right now. Yeah. You know, and and I feel like Anthony Edwards is kind of, you know, your A tier version of Bruce Brown a little bit, you know. Right. But so, but Brown coming off the bench for the Timberwolves, because I feel like that's yeah. kind of his if he's going to a contender, he's an off the bench piece. Right. Bench squad for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, about half of these six teams, you know, probably three of these six teams, it would make reasonable sense for them, you know, in the Nuggets, uh, Sixers, and um, Timberwolves. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I probably would say probably not for the Thunder. Uh, not that it would be bad, but... Yeah. Actually... The more I think about it, he probably would fit on the Thunder decently. Yeah. I mean, that's my thoughts. I, I feel like his versatility, um, I personally have a hard time thinking of a team that he wouldn't fit well yeah. on. Um, and for me, when I'm looking at teams outside of Denver, um, that would be funny, but teams that need some depth and some versatility, Milwaukee, I think. And it's interesting because DeJounte Murray's been getting trade rumors you know about him and i've seen oh milwaukee is a a team to eye and it's like well if they're going to try and trade for Dejounte along with already making the moves they made for lillard you know they're going to destroy their depth even further i think bruce brown is more affordable you get him with some some draft picks maybe maybe another couple of players that are younger like a marjan bochamp um, or something like that, but you would be getting, um, you know, with Lillard and Giannis, you're competing now. You're not worried about draft picks for the next couple of years. You want to be a championship team in the next two or three seasons. That's where right. you're at. And so you can, you have to be able to swing those moves and give up younger players um, at the moment to bring in a veteran guy who's going to help out your bench. So that would be my perspective on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, safe to say he would help six teams out. Mm. Um, teams Will it that happen, are actively, yeah, t- you know, it sounds like the Bucks are actively, like, mm. maybe discussing trades and, you know, looking for another piece. I would have to hope that, I kind of feel like the Sixers should too. You know, mm. I don't feel like I feel like they kind of lack depth. Um, honestly, if I were the Thunder, I you know, I just wouldn't mess with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Thunder. <laughs> I don't think if there's a team that's not lacking depth, it's the Thunder. They have so much talent yeah. on that team. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I I'm probably gonna say a five just because. Wow. You know. Yeah, no, not because I think that they would all benefit from it, and you know that it's it would be a, a reasonable thing to do. Mm. But like the chances of it actually happening, like just the chances of 
him being involved in a trade in the next few weeks mm. uh, are, you know, s- kind of slimmer. And then mm. that it specifically ends up with him going to one of the top six teams mm. uh, just for increases those odds. So I'm going to go a five, just mere probability. Okay. Um, standpoint. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I think a fair point is like if you're a team that's needing to make a bigger splash to aid, you know, depth or whatever, you might not be one of those top teams. You know, you think about it from the perspective of, hey, the Bucks are still a top two team. The Sixers have overachieved a lot of people's expectations. So would they be as hungry to make a move? So that's a fair point. Um, I'll go DEFCON three just for the sake of it makes a lot of sense for teams to eye a guy with recent championship experience. Um, mm-hmm. But I I can see the point where the probability sense too, but just, you know, they don't want to necessarily, um, you know, Thunder and Timberwolves, you know, they've been playing well, Celtics playing well, you know, they don't want to sh- shake things up too much. And so I think that's a fair point, but I'll go DEFCON level three on that. All but, right. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think we, uh, we had another great, selection of of topics and i'm excited to see what we come up with uh for next week's show i've mentioned it a couple times one of my favorite segments um but we'll go ahead and move on to another one of my favorite segments and uh the discussion for our latest weekly mvp weekly mvp Okay, we've got a number of names uh, from some great teams over the past uh, week that have uh, earned the right to be in the conversation for weekly MVP for week 13. Uh, The names we've chosen for this week, Joel Embiid, Jalen Brunson, Nicole Jokic, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, LeBron James, Anthony Edwards, Anthony Davis. And then he wasn't one of the top scorers. Um, and statistically there were some guys that were maybe more impressive, but I had to go with DeJounte Murray for the two game winners. Um, that's value when you can win games on those type of shots without him. Uh, the team's record across those four games would have been one and three, not three and one. So definitely value there, but why looking at our list, we've got some, some high scoring players. We've got some high percentage players, um, the assisted turnover guys, which of course are a big talking point for us um, in this segment. What's a name that's jumping out to you first and foremost? Uh, Jalen Brunson, I think is, okay. uh, you know, three, and know, for the last week and, you know, 36 points a game, five rebounds. Turnover, I said the turnover ratio was two to one, you know, eight and three, or uh, sorry, eight and four. Um, got a steal, a block in those three games. Uh, he averaged, so I should say he averaged a steal per game in those three games, and he got one block, uh, in total in those three games. Mm. And his percentages were good too. I mean, 53 and a half from the field, 46, 46 almost from the three. 81 and a half from the free throw line. I think he had, you know, any, I think he had stellar, uh, a stellar performance this last week. Obviously he's on our MVP list. Um, 
obviously Embiid's right there with him. I could definitely be swayed to go Embiid because mm-hmm. um, he outperformed him in a couple ways, uh, but was also outperformed in a couple of uh, statistics. Mm. Yeah, I think it's and, yeah. pretty close. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, I think that those two are kind of my leaders. I, I've been looking through all of them, and I I honestly don't have anyone else that's like, here am I, you know, like <laughs> a big, yeah. like they don't, no other big, per, I mean, the only one that was kind of was Booker with his, uh, he had eight assists and not quite two turnovers. So that's a four to one ratio. Mm-hmm. Also was in the 31, he was uh, in the 30s and above, you know, for points per game. He had 31.3, almost mm-hmm. five rebounds, uh, almost one steal per game. Yeah. So, and, and he had, you know, decent percentages. Um, But really the main thing for him was just that for Booker that made him stand out was that great assist to turnover ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Oh. Yeah, I think I'm definitely between Jalen Brunson and Embiid right now. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, quick props to Jokic. Um, about 34 points a game, 14 rebounds, um, 7 assists. Um, great week for him again. The percentages from 3, um, 33, not bad, but um, not as great. And 2-1 and one winning record, but we're talking about a lot of other guys, especially Brunson and Embiid with undefeated records, so that's definitely something that sways in their favor. Um, I think you're right about Brunson and Embiid. Um, both of them averaged uh, more than 36 points a game over the week. Um, <clears throat> standing out there along with the other statistical numbers they had. I want to talk Embiid as far as my choice because four games, undefeated across four games, and he averaged nearly 38 points a game for four games. Um, mm-hmm. Extra impressive Hot, not only higher point total um, for the games, higher points per game average, but in more games um, and in less minutes, 34 minutes per game versus Brunson, 37. Um, percentages, yeah, Brunson shot um, more than 10% better from three-point range, um, but Embiid was a better percentage shooter from the floor overall as well as from the free throw line. And Embiid's still shooting 36% nearly from three for the week as a center. I think that's how that has some value. Um, <clears throat> less assists, but still the same assists to turnover ratio as Brunson. Uh, eight and a half rebounds, and then higher steals numbers, definitely higher blocks numbers. I think that there's a lot in favor of Embiid versus Brunson. I don't think either one is um, a bad candidate to go with by any means. And I think it's safe to say those are our, our two. It's got to be one of these guys, one of those two for our weekly MVP this week. Yeah, and I and I agree. Embiid is uh ha- had a better performance overall than Brunson. Similar numbers overall, but like you said, Embiid played an extra game, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit better numbers in most of the stats. Um, yeah, I I agree for sure. Okay, so maybe we're leaning more Embiid now. Should we? Yeah, um, we should go there. I think so. Okay, can't, uh, can't argue with. <clears throat> his stat lines here for sure. And in a, um, I want to say it was either week 10 or week 11. We had a, uh, arduous decision-making process. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, it was, 
there was a lot of great candidates that week. And again, this week, great play from a lot of guys. But I think that's a safe choice. As I'm writing it in right now, we'll go ahead and uh, lock in our Week 13 MVP and a guy who, according, again, to tonight's performance, is going to be in the conversation next week as well. Most weeks this season, Joel Embiid. Showing it to Wyatt there. There's our got it written in on the trophy. Um, nice. Yep. Week 13. He is, um, I believe, the second player this season. And I can go ahead and cons- consult my log of this. Yes, the second player this season to win the award multiple times. So congratulations there to uh, Joel. And Joel, if you're in Utah in the near future and you want to come by and accept your uh, MVP award, we'd love to have you come by. One of the greats of our generation, certainly. Uh, reigning MVP, uh, regular season MVP is going to be right there again this year and a great week again. So congratulations to Embiid for that latest weekly MVP. We'll swipe the we'll wipe the board clean rather for week 14. And we'll go ahead and move on to our weekly forecast. <clears throat> uh this one's a little bit special because it's the return of a fairly new scheduling phenomenon and uh promotional thing from the NBA Rivals Week. And uh all of those national broadcast games for the next uh Tuesday through Saturday, all of those national broadcasts are games that are a part of rivals week. So um, I'll highlight that all of the times that are given for these times are in East for these games rather and are in Eastern standard time as well. So keep that in mind um, as you're looking to plan schedules around games that are in, are interesting to you. We'll start on Tuesday, five games total, two national broadcasts and thus two rivals week games starting on TNT at seven 30 the Brooklyn Nets host the New York Knicks in a battle of the boroughs, battle for New York, whatever you want to call it. Similarly, their second game at 10 o'clock on TNT as well, the Los Angeles Clippers host the Los Angeles Lakers, the battle for Los Angeles. Um, battles of the two biggest cities, uh, two biggest markets perhaps in the NBA. Uh, very intriguing games to start off Rivals Week. Your remaining games at 7 o'clock, the Indiana Pacers host the Denver Nuggets. Would have been a matchup of Bruce Brown against a former team, but not so since he was traded. Still an intriguing one with Siakam versus a top flight team in Denver. Uh, At 8 o'clock, the Oklahoma City Thunder hosts the Portland Trailblazers in your Northwest Division matchup. And also at 8, the New Orleans Pelicans host the Utah Jazz. Uh, The the current New Orleans team versus the former New Orleans team. Um, Intriguing stuff there. That's a local access game, either Jazz Plus or uh, KJAZ on local Utah cable networks. On Wednesday, there's eight games total. Uh, Again, two national broadcasts. Firstly, on ABC at 8.30, Dallas Mavericks hosts the Phoenix Suns, one of the more uh, exciting rivalries in recent seasons, especially in the playoffs. Luka versus Devin Booker, uh, Durant versus Kyrie. A lot of intriguing stuff there. Obvious choice for an ABC game, again, at 8.30. And then on ESPN at 9.30, uh, the San Antonio Spurs host the Oklahoma City Thunder, <clears throat> a very much a budding rivalry between two of the top unicorn type players uh, in Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren, two Rookie of the Year candidates. That one should be great to watch for as well. The other games on Wednesday uh, at seven o'clock, the Washington Wizards host the Minnesota Timberwolves. Also at seven, the Detroit Pistons host the Charlotte Hornets. Um, intriguing one there. Interested to see if. Detroit would be able to come up with a a win against the Charlotte team. 
which would be their third win over the last, you know, 15 or so, maybe even 20 games, a stark departure from the lengthy losing streak they had um, should be one to watch out for at seven 30. The Miami heat hosts the Memphis Grizzlies at eight o'clock. Uh, the first of a home and home series for the Milwaukee bucks against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then also at 8, the Houston Rockets host the Portland Trailblazers. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the Golden State Warriors host the Atlanta Hawks. Steph Curry versus his um, shadow, in a sense, Trey Young, a player with a, a bit of a similar play style. That should be interesting as well. On Thursday, there's seven games total, two national broadcasts. Firstly, at 7.30 on TNT, the Miami Heat hosts the Boston Celtics, a recent playoff matchup. Um Eastern Conference Finals, two of the last three seasons. Intriguing stuff there. And then at 10 o'clock on TNT, the Golden State Warriors host the Sacramento Kings. <clears throat> Excuse me. Two teams that um, have a bit of a history, especially the last season when they faced off in the playoffs. But the Kings have long been, um, you know, until the last couple of seasons, they were a doormat in a sense to the Warriors. Now they're looking to be uh, a team that can usurp the Warriors. So far this season, they've been better, but they haven't beaten the Warriors at this season. So we'll see if that happens uh, in that game. Your remaining games at 7 o'clock, the Washington Wizards host the Utah Jazz. Again, Jazz Plus or K-Jazz. Um, also at 7, the Indiana Pacers host the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Siakam versus Embiid that time with Halliburton uh, dishing the rock. At 7.30, the New York Knicks host the Denver Nuggets. Jokic in the Garden is intriguing to watch for. Uh, Jamal Murray as well. Also at 7.30, the Brooklyn Nets host the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then finally at 10.30, the Los Angeles Lakers host the Chicago Bulls. A um, lot of history between the Lakers and Bulls. Uh, Jordan's first championship series was against the Lakers. Um, trades, uh, they were formerly in the same conference. Bulls in the Western Conference a long, long time ago. Uh, intriguing stuff there. Finally, on Friday, eight games total, two national broadcasts again. This time on NBA TV, um, I think because the following day they'll have three games on ABC and ESPN. Um, but on Friday, two NBA TV games at 7 o'clock, the Atlanta Hawks host the Dallas Mavericks. Of course, Trey Young and Luka Doncic, two players traded for each other on draft night. Uh, a lot of intriguing, a uh, lot of intrigue as far as that goes. And then at 9.30, the San Antonio Spurs host the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, the number one overall pick versus the first guard taken in the draft. Uh, Scoot Henderson and the Portland Trailblazers. Your remaining games there, uh, the Indiana Pacers host the Phoenix Suns um, in a rematch of a game from this past weekend. Also at 7, the, the uh, Charlotte Hornets host the Houston Rockets. At 7.30, the Toronto Raptors host the LA Clippers. And then three games at 8 o'clock, Pelicans host the Thunder. Uh, the second game of that home-and-home, home, the Bucks hosting the Cavaliers. And then finally, the Grizzlies hosting the Mavericks. Uh, excuse me, the Magic, rather. Grizzlies hosting the Magic. A ton of games uh, to watch out for. Of course, those Rivals Weeks, uh, Rivals Week games are going to be the ones to pay attention to. Um, why? What's the one game from Rivals Week that you're most intrigued to watch? Uh, Lakers and Clippers tomorrow, although probably one that I won't be able to watch, unfortunately. <laughs> right. <laughs> But if you could, that would be the game. But if I could, that's one I'd want to watch. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, not a not a wrong choice by any means. I would probably go um based on the way the season's going, um, and the history there, Suns Mavs, 
um, is super intriguing. Not yeah. only the the playoff history and Luca and and Booker, but you know the former teammates in Kyrie and Durant. Um, of course, we've seen it with <clears throat> Durant and Westbrook, their rivalry, which of course that's that continues and is going to be a storyline long after they retire. But Kyrie and Durant is intriguing as well. Um, two guys that are not afraid to say what they think. Um, I'm interested to see if there's some fireworks in that game as yeah. well. So, yeah. Not... There's a DEFCON level for you. What's the odds of a fist fight? <laughs> <laughs> a fist fight? Especially, well, uh, a a minor brawl, at least. Yeah. You know, I feel like Luca and Booker are always chirping at each other. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. A, a scuffle of any kind, I'd say DEFCON level one. Um, uh-huh. fist fight Defcon level five because nobody actually <laughs> fights in the NBA yeah. anymore, which is, I know yeah. it's good. Um, a part of me is like, oh, it's not as exciting. There's not, it's not real fights, but it's probably better for the league. That there's not actual fights, but yeah. Um, no, yeah. I think for sure something's going to happen in that game. Um, technicals and, and the like uh, should be interesting, but no, yeah, a lot of great games to watch out for. Um, this week i think we're both excited to watch out for that um, as much as we can of course Um, but otherwise that takes care of the show for the most part we'll wrap things up with our this day in history fact for you this one a big one we're going back to 2006 january 22nd kobe bryant scored 81 points in a 122 to 104 lakers victory at home against the toronto raptors his point total in that game was the second highest in NBA history behind only Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game in 1962. Um, of course, always an iconic game and potentially inspired some games tonight, some high-scoring uh, games from some high-profile players that we'll talk about a little more in depth on Wednesday. A quick note, though, on Wilt Chamberlain. There's a lot of posts I'm seeing about people are like, oh, we got to see the footage of this Wilt Chamberlain 100 point game it didn't happen I don't believe it happened just because there's footage of all these other things that are either older (laughs) or they think are less high profile Um, I think it's absurd because in the early 60s the NBA was a Bush league they couldn't sell out a game to sell their life to 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 save their lives Um, it was not a whole high profile product Um, the MLB you know Major League Baseball was the top flight league NFL was right there as far as a major, you know, uh, a major league. Um, NBA was a sleepy league that didn't get a lot of attention at that time. NBA finals were on tape delay. So the the fact that Wilt Chamberlain's game that was played in Hershey, Pennsylvania, because they had to try and travel across the state to get, um, you know, more attention for and draw more fans, the fact that that wasn't recorded is not a travesty or a conspiracy. It's just a fact of how the game has grown. So it's a business. It's a business. Yeah. And business was not booming in the sixties, but it very much is now. So that's especially with, I mean, think about how many channels were on TV. There was, you know, your major networks, there was ABC and NBC and, and they were broadcasting shows that drew, drew audiences, not the NBA. Um, and that's just the fact of the matter. So that's a bit of a rant. Um, I'll I'll leave it at that. But regardless, yeah, Kobe the focus. So rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Um, always a legend for sure. And that kind of takes care of our show. Um, we want to thank you all again for listening. We really appreciate it. 
<clears throat> on whatever platform you're on. Of course, we've expanded our, our reach in recent weeks. So we're excited about that. Um, if you want to further support us, we of course are on social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and uh, Twitter or X. So definitely check those out. If you want to uh, check out what we do on those platforms and support us more. We appreciate it. Why any closing thoughts before we, we finish up today's episode? No, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty excited for the rivals week. I hope I'm able to watch a couple of them. Um, Cause I think it, I think it's kind of a fun thing that they're doing for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to catch as much as I can as well. Um, and should be a good distraction from again, the hole in my heart for the bulls, the bills <laughs> yeah. uh, winning, losing in the playoffs. But um with that, I think we'll wrap things up. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday with our normal Wednesday show. Uh, game summaries, news from uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we'll try and do a game segment uh, as much as we can. We'll do weekly predictions, all that good stuff. But for now, thank you again for listening, and we'll be back with you on Wednesday. <laughs>